And I looked out and there was this big red blinking UFO. I can just say this, something's going on in the woods. Something's going on. They're not dogs, they're not coyotes. What could it be, right? I had an encounter with a skunk ape and it completely altered the course of my life. I found a skull. I think you guys are gonna wanna come build this. Put them out, put them out, put them out, put them out, put them out. I just say it, I just say it, I just say it. Sightings of a UFO hovering over a barn? Millie woke up from a dream, and when I went into the bedroom, she said there's a monster on the wall. They saw that the creature had run through a barbed wire fence. They were able to obtain hairs. They sent the hairs to their lab, and it came back as an unknown creature. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Bizarre Encounters with myself and my co-host, Shane. Uh, how are you, buddy? Doing pretty good. How about yourself, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Can't wait to get into some uh, some Bizarre Encounter talk tonight. Before we get too far into stuff, we got to do a little shout out here. We got uh, this awesome dude randomly started talking to me. He's He was a listener of my show, Increase of Our Reality. Uh, he said he really wanted to make us a theme song, so he went about and he did that. So if anybody's curious about how awesome his work is, check out the theme song to the show. But shout out to uh, Sociobeat, and if anybody wants to check him out, um, I should hopefully be adding the, the, his links into the description bar at the bottom. But you know, hit him up, get a beat made. Really cool guy, really fun guy to talk to. On top of that, but aside from other really cool people, uh, we have somebody that I recently got the pleasure to meet at Bigfoot and Brews. Um, we have Justin from Cryptids of the Corn. How's it going today, bro? Oh, living the dream. You know it. So I guess uh, to kind of get into it a little bit, um, why don't you give everybody kind of a description about your show, what you do and where they can find it? All right. So like you said, I'm Justin from Grizz of the Corn podcast. Uh, We kind of do everything from one off small cryptid stories to, you know, the big ones, Big Muddy Creek, you know, Big Muddy Monster, Momo, all that. Then we do everything like the Screaming Maggot of Indiana, the Beast of Cherubosco. We also do interviews like you do, um, and we kind of, that's kind of what we do. Uh, you can find us in pretty much anywhere. Podcasts are available. Join our Facebook page. We give away stuff pretty much constantly. Out of the last year, I think there was four weeks we weren't actively giving away something. So, you know, just get on the Facebook page. It's always fun. Uh, I normally have a co-host named Jay. He's happened to work tonight. Uh, when we do our show, I was a biologist in my previous life, and Jay is very, very conspiratorially minded. So most of the shows start with us being very uh, widely spaced on the opinion of a topic. 99% of the time, we meet somewhere in the middle. And that's kind of how our show works. So it's really good if you enjoy having the biological side of a story and the really conspiratorial side of a story. And then you pick what you like. Nice. Sounds sounds a little bit like... Well, I shouldn't say Shane and I because we're both fucking conspiracy minded as hell you know what i mean i don't i don't trust nothing nobody whatever and i love the weird shit and but i also i I appreciate when when somebody can bring facts or or maybe an origin story of how this could occur into something that we now know as some kind of mythical creature you know what i mean so yeah I, i appreciate that we often say that nature is stranger than anything that man can make up i can tell you about fish that spit up bioluminescent vomit to distract predators. I can tell you about organisms that hold hands to form one giant body. Uh, 
mushrooms talk by bioluminescence and chemicals. Yes. So there's all kinds of stuff. Not only that, but they also commu- they help trees and different other things communicate in their environments too. So they either they even mm-hmm. connect into plants and other things that aren't just themselves and help communicate. Yeah, I may have a little bit for the, you at the end of this episode, a new thing. So I guess nice. to get it rolling a little bit, um, we're trying to flip the tables today for all the listeners. So normally we would have people on our show, we talk about their bizarre encounters, but today we're going to flip it and we're going to talk about our bizarre encounters because I feel like it's not very often that the hosts really talk about their personal encounters. So I guess to get it rolling, we'll start with the guest though, of course. So any bizarre, strange encounters that you've had, Justin, we'd love to hear about it and then we can discuss it. So I got two options for you guys. I have a Bigfoot encounter and I have a shadow person encounter. I'll let you pick. I know where I'm going, but you pick Shane. Let's go with a uh, Bigfoot because I have a shadow person encounter myself. So maybe we can tell those stories back to back. Sounds good. All right. So I'm going to condense this for this show. Uh, my best telling of this story is actually not on my podcast. It's on Eric's podcast, Uncomfortable. I believe it's episode 52, but I'll give you the compressed version. Not too compressed. Was, you got to give us all the good details. Sir. Oh, no, it's it was like two and a half hours telling it. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it it took over two. It So it happened over two years. My family used to own one of the larger farms uh, here in Hardin County, Ohio. I'll tell you all the details. I just won't give you the address because we don't own it anymore. But if anybody knows anything about Northwest Ohio, we're not very heavily wooded. A lot of cornfields, hence the name Cryptids of the Corn. You know, that's kind of the thing. If you look at our page, Harry standing in the cornfield, that's an image for later. Uh, so we had, at this time, I have, so I have six siblings, or five siblings, six kids all together, two adopted, uh, three biological. We all had 4-H projects. We all had FFA projects. We all had animals. We had probably four or five horses, around 50 goats. And I know you know this about me, Shane. Ghost, you don't know this about me. I used to breed fancy poultry, and now I run the poultry, uh, basically, division for our county. Uh, so I had some poultry. I had some chickens. They were on the high end of seven, 800 bucks a bird. So these aren't, you know, these aren't, you know, your $4 chickens. These are, you know, show birds. I would win competitions and stuff like that. I'd go to like a national show with these birds. Uh, so we had a giant, we had 10 acres of land that it's pasture and fence and everything like that. And we had 15 acres of about a 200 acre woods. So for our area, if you want to go on Google Earth and figure out where it is, it's the biggest woods in our county. Four families share it. Uh, we were the only one with kids. The rest of them were in their at least early 60s, if not you know, well into their 80s, older couples. So we started the first year, we started having weird stuff happen. Uh, everything from like little stuff was getting stacked in the corners. So I mean like pieces of wood, old tires were being stacked in the corners of fences. Um, and the grain bin, so my dad, like I said, we had tons and tons and tons of animals. So my dad would buy grain by the pallet and he made this giant bin with a giant, you, it took two of us kids to open it and close it. Normally, I could open, I was the oldest, I'm the oldest kid. I could open it by myself. Any other kid in the family would take two of them. Uh, he made this so we, it fit each, it fit a pallet of horse feed, a pallet of goat feed, and a pallet of chicken feed. Do you guys know, have you guys ever been around horse feed? Yeah. It's pretty much molasses. Mm-hmm. It's really, really sweet. Comes mm-hmm. into effect later. Uh, so that kept getting left open, and animals were getting into it. And that was a big thing, you know, and, you know, you got, I don't know if you guys have siblings or whatever, but 
all he said, she said, you know, it's your fault. No, it's you doing it. So we had all this that first year of the kind of this weird blaming, weird small stuff happening, stuff getting left open, animals being let out, you know, all of this weird stuff. So I was 16 the first year. So I worked at McDonald's and I worked most weekends. My family had a uh, camper at a lake about 30 miles away. And I get off. So it's 4th of July weekend. I get off work and it's so it's like 11. I was a closer. So it's like 1130 at night. I've already missed the fireworks. So I'm not driving all the way up to Indian Lake. Well, there's the lake. I just told you. I'm not driving all the way up to Indian Lake to go just stay the night. I will go up in the morning. I'm tired. I smell like a French fry. I'm going home to sleep. I come home. So our driveway was about a half mile long. You couldn't see any of our neighbor's houses. We lived in the, like, our our property was in the middle of the woods. Our pasture was in the middle of the woods. We had, this time, a Labradoodle. He was about 130 pounds. We had a Beagle Shepherd and about 50 pounds and a Yorkie Poo. So when I get home, our house is shaped like a big U. So the kitchen and the uh, living room were at the two tips of the U. And they were both pretty much glass. And then the rest of the house was the back part of the U. And they faced right into the woods. So, sorry. Uh, I get home and I open the door, let the dogs out to go to the bathroom. They won't come to the kitchen. They're standing in the hallway. And I'm like, ah, that's kind of weird, but I'm tired. And, you know, I don't care. So I walk all the way through the house and I go lay down in the living room on the couch. And Bailey and Clarice, which are the two littler dogs, get on top of me, which would not. The weird thing was, is that Sonny, the great, great big, huge dog, was trying to get on top of me. And I'm like, what are you doing? And I kept pushing him off. Eventually, he like lay down on the couch, like right next to me on the floor. And that was really weird for him. Sonny is a super protective dog. At that point, he'd killed probably half a dozen coyotes. He was the one we'd leave out most nights when we were there to make sure the coyotes stayed out of the property. Uh, the little, well, Bailey would kind of bark when there was a coyote. Uh, and then Sonny would go take care of him. So it's kind of weird. All these dogs are hanging on me. Way off, like I said, this woods is huge. Way off on the other side of the woods, I hear boom, boom, boom. It's 4th of July weekend. It's probably, I think it's like the 3rd of July. And it's like Friday night. So I'm like, okay. Somebody's like, oh, fireworks. Five minutes later, boom, boom, boom. Five minutes later, boom, boom, boom. And I'm realizing it's slowly getting closer or going through the woods. And I'm like, okay. Maybe one of our other families has kids. You know, here for the weekend. Nobody has kids, like, but maybe their family's in. The kids are playing in the woods, you know, whatever. Uh, and I call my buddy lives right down the road because he'd go in our woods and hang out. He didn't live around, but he'd walk in there. I called Nick, and he's like, "No, we're not home. We're in Pennsylvania." I'm like, "Okay, that's really weird." Every five minutes or so, boom, 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 boom. It sounds like somebody's pounding on a tree with a sledgehammer. So, and then it gets, so we have this giant dead tree in the corner of our yard. I hear boom, boom, boom. And I'm too scared. There's guns in the other room. Gun cabinet's one room away. I don't know what's out there. I don't know if it's a guy or anything. And I'm too scared to stand up and let it know where I am. Because like I said, this room I'm in is all glass. So the second I stand up off this couch, whoever or whatever's out there can see exactly what room I'm in. And then about another five minutes pass. And then on the side of our giant metal barn, you hear boom, 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 
horses take off. The goats get out of the barn. You just hear the horses running, neighing, going nuts. They're just flir- freaking out. Uh, and then, so I'm I'm shivering. Sonny is like pretty much like drooling all over me. He's like hyperventilating. And I'm so scared. About five minutes later, my brother had a project car, a Porsche. And that was probably 15, 20 feet from our front door. Nothing. Boom, boom, boom. At this point, I'm crying in this couch. I'm just, I'm so, I'm 16. There's somebody out there and I'm freaking out. And by the grace of God, my aunt and uncle came by, like blaring their music down the driveway. Whatever this thing was took off. I came out of the house. I'm bawling. They just take me and we leave. They grab me and the dogs. We just leave. The next morning, I won't name who this is, but our neighbor was military police. Then he was SWAT. And then he was like police detective. So he was very accomplished, uh, very accomplished in, you know, policing and everything. So he comes over and he's like, and he, my dad is only, my dad comes home, obviously he comes over and he's like, well, it looks like somebody was hitting your barn with a sledgehammer and hitting the, the, uh, Porsche with a sledgehammer. And he's like, and he's like, why do you think it's a sledgehammer? Because it's eight feet off the ground. The only way you reach it is with a sledgehammer. You, you can't do that with a, a normal hammer. And he said they had they had to hit they hit it four times, and I tell him no, it was three. And he's like, no, it was four times. I'm like, why do you think it was four times? I heard I, it's burnt in my head to this day. I know it was three times. And he's like, there's four marks. And I'm like, I I, I stopped arguing, and I didn't. We once again, I'm don't get ahead of myself. We didn't know anything about Bigfoot, nothing like that. But. What has four things? Your knuckles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Porsche had it too. I got a picture of the Porsche somewhere. So, in this, so fast forwarding through the year, a lot of the small stuff keeps happening, but nothing big like that happens again that year, except towards the tail end. So we had all kinds of free range chickens, and they go missing all the time, you know, predators. But these high-dollar chickens were in an electric fence, and the only way you could get into them is literally picking up the nest box door, which is incredibly heavy. It has the latch on it, and then just grabbing them. So I start having those go missing. And like I told you at the top of the show, six, seven, eight hundred bucks sometimes. Mm-hmm. So each chicken is not a $2, $3 chicken. It's, you know, I'll try a little shy of a grand. Just gone every time. So... That happens towards the end of the year, and then it kind of stops for the winter. Uh, fast forward, we got a red healer for the outside. We bought her from the Amish. She is incredibly mean for everything that's not supposed to be on the farm. Uh, we had her for a couple months through the winter. She had killed like half a dozen coyotes. One time, I remember me and my mom seeing her come up out of the woods just covered in blood, and we couldn't find a cut on her. Just this bruiser of a dog. Uh so what she would do at night, and once, so before I say that, the stack started getting bigger and more intricate on our property, in, in our yard. So in that big giant pasture area, mm-hmm. we now started having car hoods and tires and big chunks of wood piled on top of each other in random spots. And we're all at each other's throats because we're blaming each other because we have to clean this up. So we think one of our siblings, one, you know, each other is doing this to the other ones. Like why? Life's hard enough. Like, why are you doing this to us? And then that grain, we were missing so much grain. Every, like, all the time. So we were accusing each other of overfeeding. 
because all the animals had strict, you know, regiments of food, stuff like that. So we're accusing everybody of overfeeding, using the wrong food. And it's just, it's getting to a boiling point. So Lucy, that, that red healer dog, the outside dog, would tree things on the edge of the yard. She wouldn't go in the woods at night, but she'd walk. So I did leave one more thing. We'd run our horses at night. And so my dad bought a stadium light from our the stadium here in town. So you could work our horses at night so they wouldn't overheat. Horses have a really big problem when you work on them overheating. So you work them at night to help that way. We also had horse and four-wheeler trails all through the woods. And they would How they cast a shadow is basically it'd just be a void of black. in like a hole going into the woods. So Lucy would treat things and we'd have to go at night and knock them down for her. Or she would bark all night until she was hoarse. So we had learned at this point, okay, when she trees something, you just go knock it down with a baseball bat or golf club and let her kill it. Whether it's a possum, a raccoon, whatever, you know, she's not going to stop. So me and my brother, Luke, he's my, he, he's my second oldest biological sibling. So he would be, if I was 17 at this time, he'd be 15. We'd get a baseball bat, a golf club, you know, just some nothing, you know, just to knock a raccoon out of a tree. So we start walking down. And she's standing in front of the four-wheeler trail. There's no trees there. There's nothing there. It's just a hole in the woods. And she's just sitting up barking like she's got something treed. So we keep walking, and me and Luke see it about the same time. We get about 30 way f- feet away from Lucy. And she's at the feet of just this giant thing with these like chartreuse eyes, just looking down at her. Blinking real slow. Blink blink and then when it reopens its eyes it's staring right at me and Luke and you can just see the mass of it I, I'm, not, I'm not one of those people who's lucky enough to see detail it just was a massive object and Lucy's just standing there barking at her feet I tell Luke okay uh, don't don't turn your back walk backwards that lasted about two feet and we were came up to the house we were in tears so my dad gets the gun and he's 100% sure this is a man and He's tortured us for two years now, and he's done with it. My mom at this point had been diagnosed with cancer, so the family was just high-strung. So dad walks right down, right? Lucy's still standing right where she was, right next to Lucy. He's like, you son of a bitch. You get out here right now. You tortured my family. I'm going to start shooting into the woods. I'm going to kill you. You got to the count of three, or I'm going to kill you. Obviously, no one steps forward. And he counts, and he, me and my brother are on the patio of our house. We're probably out 100 feet behind dad. He just shoots in the top of the trees. Just to shoot. Just to scare whoever's in there. The second that gun goes off. It sounds like a buffalo was ripping through the woods. Like 10 feet further into the woods. It, whatever it was just backed up. It didn't walk away. It just backed up a little bit. And you could just hear it. Breaking tree. We found the trail the next day of just all this crap. That just been destroyed. Dad falls backwards. Runs to the house. He gets me, my brother, my mom, all my younger siblings. He leaves in the living room. He's like, all he would say that night was, that's not a man. And we're done. That's not a man. And we're done. And we wouldn't, we didn't talk about it for probably three or four years. Uh, but like I said, my mom had, at that point had been diagnosed with cancer. We got rid of the farm in about a month after that. And we actually started living in the house we're in now. Uh, me and M, my wife own. Because it just... There was so much other stuff happening. It just with my mom getting sick and all that, we were just done. So 
That is my Bigfoot encounter. <laughs> so when it comes to the to the to the uh, like hit marks, I'm assuming that it may have done something where it was like a one, two, and then boom with like two fists, possibly. Like was the last boom they louder were all than in the, the initial boom? Same spot. Oh, so it was, it was like you just punch in the same spot, boom, boom, boom. But that's why it was leaving in my brain. That's why it was leaving four marks. Is because it's the same spot it's hitting, with its four knuckles. Yeah, that makes sense too. Also, because I was thinking mm-hmm. you were saying like it was three separate or four separate like indents in different places. Oh, sorry, no, like little knuckle marks, like you were hitting just little hammer hammer spots. <laughs> Dude, that house, like. Have you been back to that location since, or have you looked into if there's been any other encounters or sightings in that area since then? So when we get to shadow people later, I do have a story for you for that. Ooh, I'm looking forward no to this big story. <laughs> so No Bigfoot. Did, did your dad ever come around to admitting to what he thought it might have been? Yeah, so, one, oh, so I guess I did leave that out. Like I said, we didn't think about Bigfoot. I was at that age still going to school to be a biologist. In my head, I'm like, I'm going to be a biologist. That's what I want to be. Biologists don't believe in Bigfoot. You know, now that's wrong now, but because a lot of us do. Uh, but in my, you know, that, that young mind, I'm like, you know, that's not what we've seen. It was a guy. It just was the biggest man ever after me torturing us in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. Uh, but yeah, so after my mom got better, she survived cancer. She's been in remission for a very long time we kind of started watching Finding Bigfoot. And you could say whatever you want about the show or, you know, it's, it is a television show. The people, I've met them all in real life. They're all sweet people. But it is a television show. But we, we started watching that and it's like, other people see this. Mm-hmm. And I had an episode about Ohio. And it's like, other people seen this. So here's the weird thing. That year would have been 2011, I believe. So we found out a bit the BFRO. And we looked in our county, Hardin County, the only sightings it has is like 2011. It was like eight other count, eight other sightings, and two more within a half mile of that property. Hmm. So, do you think it may have been pushed out of that area, or do you think it like went deeper into the woods somewhere in that area? So, I here's what if you want to know my full theory on what happened. All of our Sasquatch that caused problems, your Momo, your big muddy monster. You know, your all your named Bigfoot that stick around an area for a little bit are almost always seven and a half to eight feet tall. They're almost exclusively smelly. These are your juvenile, in my opinion, as an experiencer and a former biologist, in my opinion, these are your juvenile males. It's their first couple years being pushed away from the troop, and they get an easy life. They start getting in the trash. They start taking chickens. They start eating horse feet because mom and dad say, hey, people are really dangerous. Stay away. You know, in our part of Ohio, I really think they just move through. I don't think they hang out. So I think he is like, well, why? This woods has rabbits. It has chickens all around it. It has horse feed. You know, I can stay here and I can be fat and happy, not not to do nothing. Why would I leave? And then I think the second, and there was not any more sightings, and literally they stopped after dad shot at it. And didn't shoot at it. He shot into the top of the trees. I think for that animal, it was like, okay, mom, dad are right. That was scary. I was pushing my luck. I, I really think he was about like two seconds from killing Lucy the dog because it was stopping him from getting in the barn unnoticed anymore. So I really think he was about two seconds from Lucy not being a dog anymore. 
And it just, he was like, okay, nope, mom, dad are right. I'm going back on the migration path. I'm not hanging out here anymore. You know, it just moved through. If I hang out too long, I'm going to get shot. Okay. And I really they think they, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say they, from every, everything that I've listened to or heard or watched, they know what guns are. You know what I mean? They're very, they're not dumb, not dumb at all. At Dogs a certain point, though, are. cats know what guns are. That's what I was going to say. I think it becomes instinctual where it's been, there's so many, been so many encounters with Bigfoots that it's become something that they know in the back of their mind, no matter what, from the time they're born, that people have something that can shoot fire at them, you know, so stay the fuck away from it. <laughs> I believe they have language and everything like that. So I believe True. mom and dad mm-hmm. are able to tell them, hey, those things they're carrying will lay you out if they get a good shot. You know, I don't you, think you hit him a turkey shot 30 foot. I don't think it's going to do a whole lot. But, you know, a deer slug or something, I do think would, especially a younger one, do a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of our really, the Sasquatch that cause problems. I think 99% of the population avoids us like the plague, like they should. And then you have these young males. You know, think about when you guys were teenagers, how rebellious, rebunctious, and, you know, we, we were. Mm-hmm. Now make yourself eight foot tall and have the testosterone of a, a Duranda bull. You're going to be thinking you're tough stuff. And why would, why am I scared of the little hairless guys? Right. You know, they're, they're fifth my size. Do you think it's possible that kind of like people there's like, I, I guess this is the best way to describe it. There's like civilized people and then there's like primal people. Do you think that it's also possible with like clans of Bigfoot that there could be more like civilized clans that know to like avoid specific areas? And then there's ones that are more primal where they're kind of just have that mentality of like, I'm big, I'm going to do whatever I want. And the whole clan is kind of like that rather than it just specifically being like a, a teenage male. I'll put it like this. I think it's regional. I think that I'm not scared of any Bigfoot in Appalachia or the Northwest or the Midwest. Uh, unless you you know unless I threaten them, that's a different thing. But I'm not worried about a Bigfoot in this area or Appalachia pulling me into my tent and eat me. Northern Canada and Alaska, that's a different story. First twofold, they don't see a lot of us. They, there's not a lot of us up there, and calories are really hard to come by. That's what mm-hmm. I was gonna say because you hear about like Yetis being a lot more aggressive, and obviously, just like any animal during the winter months, they're gonna take any opportunity at food that they have in front of them. Yep, I yeah, I I I fully believe that. Especially that's why, not you know, we did a, one of our top ten episodes is last and Killer Bigfoot, uh, but that was a Great terrifying documentary. Story. Yeah, that's a terrifying real story. There, I so our big thing with our shows, we pull out the news. If I have can find a newspaper clipping, we will read the newspaper clipping. Like from the time, not a rewrite, not anything like that, because it shows you that these people were literally dealing with bodies floating down the river that were just eviscerated. And they all, they, they, there was literally the last three days that Port Lock was being abandoned. There was crowds of people on the beach waiting for the, the boats to come, facing the woods so nothing could get them. Hundreds of people stood like that for three days out in the Alaskan wilderness, because if they go in their house, they know they're dead. The mm-hmm. second they get off that beach, they know they're dead. So you imagine hundreds of people huddling on a beach, water hitting their backs in the cold Alaskan winter, waiting on boats to come that could fit like 40 people at a time. It took 18 or it took eight hours for them to get there and then eight hours for them to get back. Don't you miss the That's honesty real. of the old news? 
that they would actually tell you these kind of stories exactly how right. they are versus now either one that would uh, never yeah. even get published or two they would dumb it down and put it into a way that doesn't sound like anything crazy was happening like old news if they found anything weird strange they were all about reporting and they had no you know media bias from paid sponsors whatever the hell trying to promote a certain agenda so they just gave you the facts as it is so it's just off from like my experience kind of like what you're saying i feel like the old school articles are a lot more um sorry i'm looking for honest it. yeah a lot more honest yes mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that's why we nowadays I love that. be on the inquirer <laughs> yeah now yeah i think soft disclosure they got to put it somewhere yeah, true. Yeah, Men in Black did say that's where all the truth lives. <laughs> that's what I was just about to say. What about Men in Black? They make a reference to that. And I feel like Men yeah. in Black, honestly, probably is one of those movies that has a lot of like put it in your face kind of references. You I know? think I think it does. Mm-hmm. I really I really think it does. They everything real is out there. It's just figuring out what to believe and whatnot. But yeah, that's why I think about as far as Bigfoot for regional violence, uh, your Pacific Northwestern Bigfoot are really, really shy. The only reason Washington has so many sightings because the number of people that are physically in the woods versus the number of temperate rainforest. I think that's where your highest density population of Sasquatch is. And I don't think we have a lot here in Ohio. So pretty much uh, we did an episode on migration, possible migration routes for Sasquatch throughout the whole country. And we broke them into kind of eco zones. And I think a lot of our Midwest ones spend a lot of their summers in the northern part of the Midwest. You know, your Michigan, your Wisconsin, you you know, your Minnesota. And then at the southern part or the the winter part of the season, they're spending in southern Illinois, southern Indiana, southern Ohio, you know, Pennsylvania, which are uh, southwest Virginia. You know, they're hanging out in those areas. So I really think that's the only reason we get them in this northern Midwest part. If you look, all of our sightings almost exclusively happen in early spring, in late fall. And this whole belt from where I live, all the way past Chicago, all the way through Iowa. And it just seems to suggest, if it was any other animal, and that's what we did in that episode, is we just got rid of the word Bigfoot and just put the data out there as if it was any other animal. And we got the honest opinion that it would be a migratory species, a semi-migratory species. We're not talking, they're not moving you know, 2,000 miles every year, but seasonal Seasonal change. You go where food's easiest. You go, you know, if I, why would I stay in the middle of nowhere? And I do think some stay in Michigan. Don't get me wrong. I do think a chunk of the population moves to make it easier for everybody. And we have that in other species. But they don't hang out in the same area all the time. Like the whole species, some have migrate, some don't. So it's easier. Everybody gets to survive. Oh, early humans did it. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you mentioned that too. I need to get your opinion on this. So I've been getting into this thing recently where I've been trying to track all of the Bigfoot sightings in Michigan. And what I've come up to is that in the upper peninsula, it's kind of like there's like a road that goes around like the outside of the state for the most Mm -hmm. part. And then the inside is all just like untampered with land for the most part. So from what I've seemed to have noticed from what I've been checking into just the past couple of days, and I'm planning on digging into it deeper tonight, it seems like there's sightings when winter starts around the outside of this national forest. And that's the only place you find them. And then during summer, you don't really find them. So what I was thinking is that possibly they live in this big open area that's in the upper peninsula, and then they spread out during winter trying to look for food. And that's when they start stealing stuff. And that's when they start hearing about animals missing shit like that. So 
off of what you were saying, I feel like the ones that are in the upper peninsula of Michigan, just because it's kind of a blocked off peninsula, they will stay in the middle during the summer and then they spread out during the winter looking for food. So I even have an add on for that. Yeah, I think you're right. First off, uh, but that matches the salmon runs. Mm, yeah, it does. they're going to the mouth of the rivers for the salmon runs. They're leaving the dense center of the forest in the upper U, the UP, and they're going to these river systems for salmon runs. We got to cross that road. I fish the UP all the time. Uh, so our favorite thing about the UP is if there's a mammoth, a mammoth, 15 feet off the road, you would never know. And that's an animal the size of a tank. And you wouldn't have no idea, let alone a nine-foot Sasquatch that's standing still. You know, so I really see that. The ones in Michigan really follow their salmon runs hard. Uh, we have some stories on our page about, or on our, on our show about that, with them actually moving salmon fishers out of their preferred areas with rocks, and then they go down 30 feet and they're fine, and they hear splashing. Uh, but so the salmon runs are really, really important for bear, and they're really, really important for Sasquatch, in my opinion, because you have the roe, the eggs that are super nutritious. If either of you guys been in the river for the salmon runs, I haven't personally. I ha no, no, not personally. I'm not a big salmon eater, but I'm I'm very yeah familiar with it being an outdoorsman so we've literally been in spots you can't see the bottom there's so many salmon eggs of you know Damn. four or five species and then you have the dying ones everywhere i literally walked up in michigan i got a picture with like a four and a half foot king salmon that was still that was half dead because i just grabbed him and picked him up out of the water and got a picture with him uh because he was half dead he's still alive he's still actively trying to breed but if you're an animal, that's so much easier food. Mm -hmm. You just got to walk out and grab it and grab some eggs on the way out. You know, salmon eggs are delicious. That's why we you know, we sell all kinds of salmon eggs. We sell sturgeon eggs. So it's that abundance of that seasonal abundance of food. So I don't think so. One of the big things with Sasquatch migration that really gets picked on is that they're like, well, why would they move? They can handle the cold fine. I don't think they're moving for the cold. They're moving for seasonal abundance of food. Yep. that's That was my idea that I was mm -hmm. getting to. Yeah, they yeah, don't they... care. It's cold. I 100% agree. If they can survive in Alaska all year, they don't care. Yeah, it'd but, be like saying a bear migrates because it, it doesn't like the cold. Yeah. No, they'll stay there. They're just going to go where the food is. Mm -hmm. That's what we did. <clears throat> you know, it makes sense. Random thought. Do bears and Bigfoots avoid each other? Or is that do, do like Bigfoots possibly attempt to eat smaller bears? I'm, I've just been kind of throwing that around in my head lately. I'm curious what their interaction might be with each other because they're both like apex predators. So do they avoid each other's areas? Do they know to avoid each other's areas? Do they get into confrontation with each other? Like I've been kind of curious about so, that. Black bears are not apex predators. They're mm -hmm. barely predators. I'll tell you something about black bear diet here in a minute. Eric didn't know this when I went on his show. So people like this about black bears. I've Lots done poop surveys with them. Uh, Lots of berries. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think they. I don't think they avoid each other. Bears are not the smartest animals. They survive this long because they're tough. Different grizzlies and polar bears are a little different. I'm talking about specifically for us, you know, black bears. Mm -hmm. uh, we have two stories on the show though in Pennsylvania, uh, actually. Your, so your home state, mm -hmm. where Sasquatch was seen hunting, or what we presume was the activity of them hunting a black bear, and. The one happened, I'll, I'll try to remember the story as best possible. Basically, this guy's deer hunting, and he walks up on this big bull black bear, 
and it's you know kind of getting on its hind legs, acting real aggressive towards him. And he's Blackbird ninety nine percent of the time are gonna back down mm-hmm. unless she's got, unless a mom's got a cub. But he's acting all aggressive. This Sasquatch pops out like ten feet behind the bear. It screams at the bear. The bear runs off, and the guy's looking at the Sasquatch, and it just kind of snarls at him, gives him this evil, disgusted look, and walks away. And what he described the feeling was, is you just ruined the last two hours of me tracking this bear to save your skin. Thanks mm-hmm. a lot. And That's and just, what I was about to say. It's almost weird and gives me the impression like he was intentionally trying to help him, even if he fucked up his food source. Like, that's kind of weird yeah, that a what, Bigfoot was actually trying to, like, help somebody almost, you know? Yeah. We have. I always you say know this, what part of Pennsylvania that was. I'll look it up for you and I'll send it to you here at the end. I don't remember. That was two seasons ago. Yeah. But uh, they, I do think they do prey upon specifically black bears. I'm not saying they can't kill a grizzly, but grizzlies have trouble killing grizzlies. So I think that's more of a necessity. Like the same thing. I don't think they're killing moose and elk every you know two days. Uh, no, because moose are motherfucking me. They're yeah. a freaking tank, and they're huge. biologically. Do you know what the most you know, what animal has the most predation on a moose? It's the orca. Mm. The orca. So moose will dive up to thirty feet in salt in saltwater estuaries to eat vegetation, mm-hmm. and orcas are about the only animal that can handle killing them pretty easy. I didn't even know that moose swam like that. I thought it was kind of like they kept their head above water. I didn't know they actually dived down. Oh no, they walk on the bottom and eat vegetation. They're, that's mm-hmm. almost ninety percent of their diet. Oh wow, yeah, they're they're almost like a a weird knockoff of a, a hippo. In that there's. They are what we think evolutionary. They're a transition species. If they get to survive the next several million years, they'll probably end up something more like that, like a mm-hmm. more aquatic hippo. They have very dense bones to help them be negatively buoyant. Now they can swim pretty good, but they like to walk along the bottom. But now back to black bear diet, like you said, berries. About seventy to seventy-five percent of a black bear's diet is just foliage, mm-hmm. just straight up plants. So the other thirty percent, so. The other 30%, 20% of that number, like 20% of the, like, oh, how do I say? Get 10%. rid of 10%. And then that rest is small protein. Bugs and frogs. Black bears almost exclusively eat, like, leopard frogs in Michigan. They'll literally walk down creeks all day, every day, and eat frogs. They're not killing deer. And when they do kill a deer, most time it's a freshly born, you know, little baby. They're not good predators. Uh, Rabbits can get away from them. They're noisy. They stink. They're fumbling. They kind of get the same evolutionary niche as a pig. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's why Ohio's having problems. Is that our wild boars are kicking all of our black bear out because they do a lot better. At this, they do the same job. They just do it a lot better. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of the weird thing with black bear diets. So I don't think Sasquatch looks at them as competition. If anything, they just take out the little ones for food, but otherwise probably avoid each other more than likely because yeah, they don't want to deal with the hassle. Much, yeah, they're, they're not easy to kill. Don't get me wrong. You know, it would take a lot for one just to grab one and shake it to death. Uh, but I don't, you know, I don't think he's going out of his way to hunt black bear very often. I do think they kill, you know, big game. I think it's just really spread out. You know, I get the craving for a bear sandwich or a newborn is in the in the troop or in you know the clan so then they you know maybe need more higher end protein meats like the liver and stuff like that 
then they so almost go after them as like a group rather than single so that they can support the family essentially is the idea. Yeah. And you ever seen any of the Bigfoot kill fences? I don't think mm. so. So uh, there's one in Michigan that I know pretty well, but there's they've been reported everywhere. Basically, you'll go deep in these state national forests and you'll find these like three to four foot tall little fences and they're all sticks and stuff. They don't look like a fence. Like they're not a picket fence in the middle of the forest. They're stacked wood. And then at the end of this way, there's a second fence like offset by like four feet. And we think that that's them building these fences. So one or two members run the deer or whatever into the fence. Then they run along the fence and they go in that gap and the sas- the, the killing Sasquatch is hanging right around the edge of that. So they run right past him without seeing him and they just grab him. But yeah, because mm. deer are very... I mean, deer, imagine trying to grab a deer. Yeah, it's they're, not they're the easiest fast. thing. No, no, that makes sense. You know, uh, I guess I never heard of them referred to as killing fences, but once you described it, I'm like, I'm familiar okay. and heard stories about that and, and what have you. Because, I mean, think about it. it. It's a lot of what they do in order to get their food is no different than what us as civilized humans do to get our food. Only we use modern technology, guns bow and arrow, you know, whatever, you know, there are a select few of hunters that will go out with an atlatl or, you know, a spear and, and, you know, try to go back to the old ways of, of doing it. Just, you know, it's first to see if they can one, but I, I, I'm kind of on board with, you know, you know, yeah, we'll leave black bear alone, but if there's a baby in the group, yeah, well, you know, you need that liver, you need the, the hearts, all the organ mm-hmm. meat, you know, pump it up, you know, that little infant, I mean, nobody knows, does a Bigfoot walk once it's born or is it like kind of like us? Is it, or is it like, a, you know what I mean? Can they, mm-hmm. do they need to be carried around for a while? So it really depends on just how smart you want to put them on the animal kingdom. Yeah. The smarter right. you are, the longer it takes you to start doing anything on your own. Like that's why we're pretty much useless for two years. Mm-hmm. And then we're useless for about another eight after that. We just, you know, our head's not soft anymore. Right. Uh, I personally put them, I, I'm always kind of split. And we talk around the show about every other episode, I switch my opinion. So I will not give you a hard opinion on this show. But I go between a relic hominid, so not a human, but a human thing. Like, we split from the same root species at one point. They took a different path. That doesn't make, they're not our ancestor. They'd be more like our cousin. They mm-hmm. picked the natural life. They picked that style. You know, the Ice Age megafauna, when they, you know, when mammoths were around, they are a species that makes very good sense. Or you have the other option with Gigantopithecus, them being a descendant of Gigantopithecus. And we literally just recorded an episode two days ago that really looks at the Gigantopithecus angle. So Gigantopithecus was in the right area at the right time for them to branch out to everywhere there's a Sasquatch legend. They can get down to Australia. They get over to the north. They get over to North America and South America. Go into the Himalayas. Do I? So I flip flop. Either way, I think they're very intelligent. I think it. I really think they take probably about a year before the baby can really be left alone. Not walk and everything, but like for mom and dad to say, "Okay, you're gonna sit in this hole while we go do stuff," and then actually be able to do that. So we have these areas that some people in the Sasquatch community have identified as possible breeding areas. 
So I can tell you about one if you'd like. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> uh, I know I talk a lot. I'm very sorry, guys. No, no, no. no it's all good. <laughs> making it, making a very easy interview. <laughs> so Hocking Hills, Ohio. Mm, yes, very familiar. Super aggressive Sasquatch sightings with no harm. And what people get sometimes confused by that phrase, that means they will shake trees. They will false charge. They will throw you know, quarter and bigger sized rocks at you. And there, we have a little talk we do. If a Sasquatch is throwing a pebble at you, it's just seeing what you're going to do. If a Sasquatch is throwing a softball or bigger thing at you, it is actively trying to make you leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think if they want to hit you, they're going to hit you. So if you go past that point, you don't really get a no because you're dead. Uh, right. But they have false charges. They have these, you know, all, all this crazy stuff happening. And then we even have stories of them following people. They'll get in their car, they'll leave, they'll go back to their you know, tent site 10 miles away, and they end up there that they night them. harassing them all night. And what it seems like is there's these little pockets. And I got one identified, I can tell you off air. But there's these little pockets that I think are these breeding coves or where they have a newborn. And they just do everything in their power to make sure you don't come back. Uh, they're not violent. They're not, they're not, I don't think they're killing anybody unless they really have to. Right. But they are being aggressive and scary enough in torturing you to make sure you do not come back to wherever you just were. And Hocking Hill is one of those spots. And then we haven't spread out through all the U.S. You know, these, they call, you know, like Salt Fork has, is a hot spot. It's the number one, you know, Sasquatch sighting spot in Ohio. Not one of them is aggressive. We almost have no rock throwing events there, period. It's almost always seeing them walking away from you. And, it's still amazing. Don't get me wrong, but Hocking Hills is always almost exclusively terrifying. Well, a lot of people associate the the quote unquote nests that that are, are found. Yeah. Uh, as okay, they're building those for the female to give birth. They're they're birthing birthing nest basically. Have you ever been in one or seen one? No, I have not. I wish I I could. So I was down in hockey. That's where I went to college. Uh, and there was one guy that claimed he found one. And we went in this thing. The coolest thing about it is so when you hear the grass man or the grass nest, they're not these what like mountain monsters and stuff puts on TV, these giant grass balls. Yeah. That's that's not what they look like. It's grass fields. They have a woven den in them. And we went in it. And it was almost like all the grass was woven. You could see out and around. If you're on the outside, you can't see it. There could be three or four men in this thing, and you would not know they were there. Mm-hmm. You'd walk right along the path, keep on going. And, you know, whether that was real or not, the one I got to witness, it still, it it was definitely made. Whatever I was in was 100% made. Now, you want to say it's that guy, or you want to say it's a South Project, that's, that's, you know, your own volition. But I think. I do think they have these little hidey holes for their babies. I think adults don't have much problem staying out of our eyesight if they want to. A lot of our, I think it's really hard to surprise a Sasquatch, but a lot of ours, you know, we do have stories with people coming to the show and talk where they get one like, like, oh gosh, you know, they, they almost look like they're just as surprised as you are. Like, ah, right. uh, crap, you know, I didn't know you were coming around that tree. It's rare, but I do think it happens. Uh, 
That's probably because they're a lot more intact with that sixth sense too. Because, you know, like we as people haven't really had a reason for it because of the way we live in society. But if you're something that lives in the woods, you definitely have that sixth sense yeah. a lot more adapt. So that I think that's what it comes down to. And it's just a matter of sometimes, you know, you can sneak up mm-hmm. on that. But for the most part, they have a pretty good idea of like anything that's moving within their vicinity and area. Well, Try to and, sneak up on and, a fox. Yeah. yeah. And and their sense of smell. Yeah, I mean, that too. It, you, you look at deer. Deer travel with the wind into their face so they can smell anything mm-hmm. that's coming to them. So if you're hunting a deer on the ground, you want to travel with the wind because, or no, with the wind right. in your face because you know that they can't smell you. Going, you know, right. And, you know, so if these people are, you know, coming up on a Sasquatch and it's surprised, they probably, okay, maybe didn't even have a clue that they were, you know, De- you know not downwind of this this creature and it didn't smell them and all of a sudden they're like oh fuck what what the hell are you doing in my woods motherfucker you know what i mean like <laughs> then the human's like what the fuck are you doing yeah <laughs> and i do think those are rare but i do think they happen yeah and a lot of, a lot I guess, of happenstance yeah not to get not to change any topic or anything like that do you guys know this was one question we get asked a lot i'm sure you guys get asked too with specifically with sasquatch is the whole trail camera argument are you asking about like why they don't get captured on trail cams? Yeah. Like, what do you guys think? I have, I have a lot of opinions. I know a big cat biologist. I'll tell you his little statement about it here in a minute. I think they can hear the, uh, the batteries. That's one of the and big ones. One of the big ones. And I think they can see in infrared. That's... So they see when that little boom comes on, you know, we, we might not see it, but it knows it's, there. That's awesome. you know, so right there you have your eyes and your ears and, could they, you know, with the batteries warming up and electronics, could it make a smell that we as humans don't, don't notice? He had so, all three. I mean, that's, no, thank you. <laughs> that, I was about to say the same thing as you. The only thing I was going to add is that I feel like they have a way of sensing like magnetic fields also. So, yeah, I, I think they could do that, but those are the three big ones. So for big cat biology, we don't get tigers on trail cameras. It's like a one in a quadrillion shot. We rarely, rarely get mountain lions. And it's hard to get a bobcat. Because mm-hmm. they can see infrared, so there's a big freaking laser out the front of this thing. And if you're trying to hide, specifically like big cats, I'm not going near that. What the hell is that thing? And like you said, the battery whine. People don't realize that whether the battery's powering anything or not, it whines constantly. And if you're trying to hide, that's like, oh, I don't know what that is, but that's not normal. Right. And they stink. The plastic, the cord, the electronics plastic we don't smell it because we're used to it like you were saying you know we're not we're not animals or we're not natural animals anymore but to an animal that i don't care if you hide in a log that giant hunk of plastic is gonna stink for the next 60 years Mm -hmm. and like i think they have very very good smell uh so that's why he came down he was actually at crypticon last year big cat biologist he's like i don't know nothing about bigfoot but this is why we don't get this is why we don't get big cats on trail camera so I, that's that, one. Use similar, uh, you know, theories and what have you. I mean, you have a big cat, you have a big hairy human. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, and you know, you can overlap a lot of the 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 studies that go on and and you know theories and research. So makes sense. Just like the the primal mammal nature overall, just kind of spreads across anything that's a mammal, though. Like it's in the things that it can sense, the things that it has, like even people, I'm sure that we had a lot of an upgraded smell, but as times progressed, it's 
dampened because of even just living the way that we used to, where people used to throw like their shit and feces and stuff in the street. Like I'm sure that we've adapted to smell things less because of our living situations as we go through the years. And also we haven't needed it to survive, which people forget that you slowly start to lose senses that you don't need as time progresses on. That's why we don't have mm-hmm. the sixth sense. That's why we can't sense weather like animals can is because we've adapted to not need these things. And every other animal in nature still has all these abilities because they need them to survive. Do you, uh, yeah. do you ever get into, uh, any stories of Bigfoot erotica on your, on your show? Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I just have to bring a little comedy yes. into it. <laughs> so I can't, I wish Jay was here. So I have a little story to tell you, I guess, about that specifically. We got on Amazon like a long time ago, and we were so excited like because it's when we were spreading out. And so we typed in. I think we told you, Shane, about this last time we were up there. Cryptids of the Corn podcast. Nothing popped up. So then we go, oh, it's on Audible. Click on Audible. This book came up. Salt said, my handsome... Humanoid corn creamed me in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, what the hell? So this guy writes erotica. And he has about half of his books are about Sasquatch. We're trying to get him on for a Patreon episode. Because <laughs> nice. our, our main show is family friendly because we have a lot of families and kids that listen. Yeah. So that's a Patreon episode. But it was just. So yeah, we talk about that on Patreon a lot. Just like, it's hey like, man, one... do you have some weird cryptid experiences that you just don't want to talk about directly? <laughs> yeah. He is he's a weird man. His, his name's like his his author's name is like Henry Hardbone or something like that. It's just <laughs> it's one of those. You know nice. what I mean? Surprised he didn't do Harry Hardbone since he's talking about Sasquatch. <laughs> But one of his oh, books, shit. the one I'm trying to get for the wall. So I'm not over here. Over there, I have a giant bookshelf of all my books we collect. I'm trying to get, oh, what was it called? My ghost pirate Bigfoot. My gay ghost pirate Bigfoot still haunts my balls. <laughs> what the fuck? Why do these all and sound like 70s porn he won an award names. with it. He won an award <laughs> with it. What fucking award do you win with that? Best, I can't. I think it was 2006 best fan erotica featuring a cryptid or something like that. Bro, wow. you forget how crazy they get in Japan. He's probably winning awards all over the place in Japan. Mm. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. But yeah, we get it. That's the only. That's the only time we get into that. But Jay Just is did an episode one. on on Japan with the the, <laughs> the suicide forest. Actually, <laughs> ooh, that is a weird place. Mm-hmm. Now, does it? Do people go there to commit suicide and that's why it's negative? Or was it a negative place and mm. that's why people go there to commit suicide? Next month, you'll have to tune into Cosmic Peach Podcast and find out what me and Julia uh, I'll definitely have to do that. that. The that's weirdest, what me and Jay talk about a lot. Say The weirdest part about that forest, though, is that it's weirdly beautiful, though. And then it also has oh. this dark, weird presence to it. Because you see the pictures of it and it's a really beautiful forest. People go there during the day. They walk on the footpaths, everything like that. As soon as it hits a certain time at night, they talk about how the dark spirits and everything comes out, and it has a totally different atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It's like and the suicide place like of Mount Fuji. Mm-hmm. And Fuji was named after this goddess that came down and gave gave all the knowledge. What was that Kinda a big like foot? Shiva? Yeah, who knows? I was going to say it almost sounds like the archangel concept too that we were talking about mm-hmm. in the last episode. Yeah, 
it's probably just all Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 that kind of dives into portals and a whole bunch of other shit. So yeah, it was a good episode. I got so, a little teaser. Say to keep uh keep it rolling a little bit, had a little bit of a fun off topic conversation about um <laughs> some weird porno, I guess. <laughs> Porn and suicide. Porn and suicide. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but you know. I guess let's bring you it back around. Talking porn, bit. I go right to suicide. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, teach their own. Maybe, maybe, maybe I should get into strangulation. That's maybe. what I was about to say. You sound like you're on the verge of it, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> A little David Carradine action going on. <laughs> I'm gonna look into it though. If there happens to be a red scarf, uh, where that happens at? If if there's ever anything that happens and you disappear, ghost. I'm I'm gonna look into it. So don't you worry. <laughs> please do, please do, because I am not suicidal. People, I am not suicidal. You gotta say it three more times. Literally, I'm not suicidal. We literally just because... said that. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, it, it's all good. Cause like, what was it? Two or three days ago? No, yeah, it was Monday. Shane's like, "Y'all good, bro? Everything good?" Cause I was like, "Yeah, I took the day off," and he immediately went to like, "Motherfucker needs a mental health day or some You're about shit." To jump like, off oh, a bridge, no, dude. Yeah, I'm like, nah, man, my mental health's great. I, I just have vacation. I need to burn, and <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I'll take a three day weekend. Why not?" Just want to relax one day. Yeah. Hey, man, it's 2022. You always got to check up on your friends because you never know what no. their mental state might be. <laughs> yeah, that, very true. Especially when when you you go down fucking dark holes podcasting. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's no different. You know, some topics that you know I get into on my show, Shane on his, us both together on this one, and you know, you're literally sometimes staring at the abyss the whole time, and. Sometimes, you know, you got to know when the abyss is going to open its eye and want to look back at you and be like, okay, you just need a break for a minute. You know, maybe I'll look into a different topic and lighten, lighten the show up a little bit. We'll be all good. Yeah, that's where we kind of bounce around too. I try to do the same thing with my show because it'll be like pedophile elites and the next one will be cryptids. Try to liven it up a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, I ain't going to lie. Some weird, weird shit has, I wouldn't say it happens all the time. But I've noticed an increase, and this, this kind of goes into to my paranormal uh, experiences, but uh, shit's kind of popped off a little bit in my paranormal life after talking with Zachary King. So, I don't know. You can put two and two together. Could it be coincidence? Who knows? Tell us more. Hey, uh, Ghost, so you said you have no cryptid stories, correct? Correct. So I got one cryptid story, um, and then we can hop into shadow people and paranormal stuff if you guys want to. Yeah, that's good. I think every one of us here has seen shadow people. So mm-hmm. true. So I guess I'll start with this one then. I'll start with my experience with seeing a rake, or as what I believe to be a rake. So I used to go to this place called Northville Psychiatric Hospital, not when it was operating. It was abandoned, and we used to just oh, urban oh, okay. explore it. Yeah, <laughs> have to have to reiterate on that one. Because I'm just like, I used to go to Northville Psychiatric Hospital. <laughs> they gave me some damn good drugs. I saw some weird Why shit, we my friend. In class. <laughs> it kept me from talking to myself and chewing my shoulder. <laughs> but we went there after it was closed. <laughs> and it always just had like this uh, weird ambiance to it. Um, like is it, There was a lot of tortured people there as time progressed on, of course, like any psychiatric hospital. But we used to always go to... There's... The tunnels underground, and we never really got too far into those. So we always stayed up. We mapped all the buildings because there was like multiple buildings in this location. 
Um, so one day we decided that we're going to go into the basement and try to explore it because they have these tunnels that are supposed to connect in different places in the city, but they're like pitch, pitch black. So like we never wanted to take the chance of just running out of flashlight and having to walk back miles, possibly in just the dark. So we decided to go down there one day and we go down into the basement and there's like this hole in the wall is the best way to describe it. It wasn't like an actual like room. It was more like it looked like somebody busted out brick. So I walk into the corner and I'm the first walk around the corner. I'm the first one in the group because it's me, my girlfriend and one of her friends. I walk into this room and I hear something on the side of me say run in like a whispery voice. And when I hear that, I look forward and there's like this metal buggy cart thing like they have at hospitals. And as I hear that, I see this thing stand up. The best way to describe it was probably taller than like an average person, maybe like six foot. I'm only five, seven. So at least six foot um, tall, lanky skin had that like bluish kind of like corpsey decaying kind of color to it. And it has long black hair on the top of its head, but it's scraggly. It's greasy. And I only get to see the back of it. And as soon as I see this thing standing up, I take off. I go up the stairs out the fucking front door into the darkness. But as this is happening, my girlfriend's taking pictures behind us. So later on, we end up looking at it when we get home and it wasn't fully like it almost looked like an apparition is the best way to describe it. Like you could see through it, but we clearly got this thing in a picture where you can see that it's a white skinned being with long black hair. And for years, I didn't know what the hell this thing was because they used to there's a bunch of just like weird symbols all over the building. So I assume that it was possibly just something that may have been brought on from just people fucking around, not realizing what they were doing. And when I start digging into it more, I start finding out like one, what a rake is to begin with. And two, that this particular site, uh, they found a lot of Native American artifacts at this particular site. So it just seemed like th- there's a good probability of there being something that may have came from that time, even if it's stuck to the land, if it's um, just been here this whole time. But the other weird part that I kind of want to include into the story is that around this location, there is very, I don't want to say like, not like thick forest woods, but at least like a couple miles across of like woods. And kind of funny, I didn't believe it when I first saw it the first time, but I was up on the third story of the building looking down and I saw what I believed was a cougar. And I ended up looking it up later on and figured out that there was cougar sightings in Northville in this area. So that being said, there was thick enough woods for there to be cougar sightings, but people not to be able to fully confirm it. So it's fully possible that there was something that was either in this building or it was possibly in the woods. But that was as much as I figured out about it. And when I tried to when I started figuring out more about this and trying to go back to the location, they actually ended up tearing down this building Um, Because there was an issue where people kept falling down the elevator shaft somehow, which is really weird because when we were there, they were only cracked a little bit. So somebody would have had to have pushed their way in there or they were trying to get away from something possibly or something pushed them down here. But there's very weird circumstances that I saw this. And then all of a sudden, a couple months later, they start tearing this fucking building down and they got on top of trying to make sure nobody was entering this building when that time was around. That's truly terrifying. Yeah, I've already heard this story. I was just like, ah, <laughs> yeah. When he told it to me, I was just like, Dude, I got... you fucking seen a rake, bro. Now, do you know the origins of the modern rake 
what we see mm-hmm. of that thing. Um, I'd love to hear it for the listeners, yeah. of course, too. Yeah, if you, if you got a full explanation. Well, from our, our deep dive in it, the modern rake is not... Okay. It's a creepy pasta. I think it's a new branding of an old Native American thing. Mm-hmm. So, so it's almost the, like a the, golem or something? Like people manifest it from thought? Well, no, I guess... So it's a new word for a thing that's existed for thousands of years. Because rakes are originally in European legend, and they did not look like what they look like now in Europe. The word does not connect to the creature you've seen until like 2005. There was that one famous one from Ohio with the crown up the wall, and that's where they branded it a rake. But it's mm-hmm. a ghoul from Europe, and that's not what they look like. I think so. I don't know. Have you listened to our Wendigo episode? I'm going to definitely have to go back and listen to it. Actually, I think I may have listened to it. Was that the one where you're talking about how they only come during winter because you believe that they're decaying, so they almost have to try to preserve themselves? Mm-hmm. I think you may have experienced a Wendigo spirit. That was my first guess at it. The mountain lion thing. That was my first guess at it, but everybody kept correcting me and telling me that they thought it was a rake. But I mm-hmm. believed that it was a Wendigo because it was one Native American area. But the weird part is it was during... Um, like the end of summer. So that was the only thing that kind of threw me off about the Wendigo theory. So they can't dig themselves up, but they bury themselves for the summer. Funny you say this too, because that basement, because it was all concrete, it was fucking cold down there. So it would make sense that that would try to find the tunnels. It could go completely underneath the city and be able to stay cold in this area even during summer. Yeah. Like it was like a good 20, 30 degree drop from the level above just going down. And when I entered that particular room, it felt like there was a cold gust, like maybe there was like a hole in the wall somewhere or something coming from somewhere else, but there was like a cold gust coming in, or maybe there was an entrance to the tunnels there and there was wind coming through from the tunnels. But yeah, that would actually fit the theory even more because again, I thought it was a Wendigo and everybody kept correcting me that it was a rake. So you're just kind I'll of say that my original theory. <laughs> I've never, I've never put the Wendigo and the rake in the same category until you just said that now. Like, so I'll, I'll I was say this one about of the, the rake. said, Hey, it's a rake, bro. And he's like, Oh, okay, yeah, maybe it is. And so didn't I yeah, tell you it was I'm a Wendigo the first time I told you the story? I think you did. And when, when you were describing it, and I pulled up pictures and you're like, Yeah, that's what I saw. I'm like, Yeah, they call that a rake. And you were like, Oh, okay. So, so I'll yeah. say that like this, and your fans can your listeners can come over to my page and fight me. The rake doesn't exist. It's a re it's a new name for an old thing. The rake is just like, I think it was 2005. We did it on one episode. I think it was 2005 is when the first term for the pictures you're talking about ghost mm-hmm. and they got called a rake because some guy looked up at some European ghouls and he's like, okay, that's what I've seen is a rake. The original creature, the, the original rake thing does not look like that. From even every the, of the European legends. Even the original Wendigo, everybody imagines it with antlers and horns, and from all the old it drawings of it, not. it doesn't have any of that. So Starving if, human. Yep. So, the other thing is that we believe, over here, is that the Wendigo and the, and the Skinwalker are the same spirit. It just goes about how you allow that spirit into you. So, Wendigos mm. are not allowing it, or out of desperation. So they must have no control over the demon. That's why they're they're crazed, they're erratic, and even there's a couple stories of Wendigos being chasing people and at the last la, the last second, them stopping and letting them get away, because that person buried in there 
grabs control just for one second, just to let you get away. And they can, we think they can shapeshift too. Do you like think that would explain the voice that maybe it was the human voice on the inside That's that was, was telling me to go? It's that one little human instinct being like, I can't control myself. You got to get out of here. Run. And then you've seen the mountain lion. They can, I believe fully, they can shapeshift. So the skinwalker gains control over the spirit by doing certain rituals. And the end one is, you know, killing a loved one, a family member, or a wife. Uh, or, you know, a married one. Yeah, it's uh, a close family member. Like, mm-hmm. close, close family. The Wendigo is almost the exact same thing, but it's done out of desperation, not on purpose. No, well, not, you don't kill anybody on exit, but you know what I mean? It's done because you're starving to death or, you know, there's no other food source, but you still commit that great sin, Native American culture. You, you know, basically, and I, I don't disagree with this, but you should starve to death before you eat somebody. I'm uh, glad that you made that connection because I've been thinking that those two are drastically close for a very long time. And I've actually thought that they, like you were saying, that they're the same thing with two different names, depending on the way they act or the region that they're in. It's, I fully believe it's how you gain control of the spirit. The spirit is the same. So a skinwalker has power over that spirit. They can shape shift at will. They can use their powers. Where a Wendigo, the spirit is in the, in, in the front seat. They're doing whatever they want to do. You know, the animalistic nature of the Wendigo versus the human nature of the skinwalker. They're both incredibly evil. But one was a willing, did rituals to get that power. And the other one had it kind of forced into them. I kind of think that's what you've seen is this Wendigo. And it. I, I really think you may have not uh, been able to tell that story if he wasn't gracious enough to t- give you a little nudge and be like, get the hell out of here. The freakiest part about that, on like it was com- combined just as freaky, but just the combination of hearing something to the right of me. And when I say it was like, it sounded like it was somebody like within six inches of my ear whispering in my ear, run. Like it was cr- like straight out of a fucking movie. And then the combination of this thing standing up at the same time. Like I had the impression that because of it being a psychiatric hospital, it could have been somebody that was stuck there that was warning of something that they knew was there. But I like your theory even better that it could have been it itself taking that opportunity where it wasn't fully gripped to be able to t- warn three people to get the fuck out away from here. You know, I thought skinwalkers were unique to is it the Navajo tribe? The main tribe is the Navajo. Correct. OK, so do other tribes have what they call skinwalkers or Wendigos? So when we look at the Navajo and the Algonquin, and I say this at my pay, on our show all the time, I am not a Native American expert. I have about the 40-book encyclopedia of Native American, uh, just Native Americans. We read it a lot for the show. I'm not a Native American expert. But you have the Navajo and you have the Algonquins. So what these mm-hmm. two tribes did is they conquered, well, kind of conquered. Some of the tribes, or some, they took in small tribes into their fold. And they spread their folklore, their legend, and their religion over those tribes. So the Wendigo is almost exclusively, quote-unquote, Algonquin. Okay. But there's hundreds of tribes that have that story because the Algonquins controlled the north. Mm, The Navajo controlled the south and had skinwalkers. But there's presumably hundreds of small tribes that have skinwalker legends. The big key difference is that the skinwalker does not get talked about in the southern tribes because it's conscious 
and it will come for you when you start talking about it. Mm-hmm. The Wendigo is more of the wild side of it. Well, that's why I think it's that the demon or the spirit has more control because it's more animalistic. So it's not it's not paying attention to when you're talking about it. When the skinwalker, when you're talking about it, it's coming for you because both of them, both of them, when you say their name, you gain power over them. There was one story where she knew a Wendigo story where she knew it was her like grandpa, one of the, you know, one of the ladies we covered, and she called him by his name. And he just stopped and he sat down and started shaking, like rocking back and forth. And then she took off because it was, I fully think it was that power over the human part of it. So the only way you kill a skinwalker is knowing who they are, knowing their Mm -hmm. name. And when you say their name, you gain power over them in their skinwalker form. I was going to say, there's a lot of legends about once you learn something's initial name, you have full control over it. And you see reference Mm -hmm. to that in a lot of movies when it talks about things like that. And you see a lot of foldover into uh, demonology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got to know the demon's uh, yeah. name. Christianity has that all over. Mm-hmm. I'm a Christian. I know that. You know. So for the Skinwalker and the Wendigo, the two big, big tribes of the U.S. have very similar things. With they have a lot of differences. Don't get me wrong. The Wendigo and the Skinwalker have a lot of differences, but they have these same things that are both spirit-bound humans. Hmm. So that's how I look at that with the Navajo and the Algonquin. That's very interesting. I, like I said, I, you know, when when Shane told me that the story, I immediately went to to Rake because I'm like, well, you know, back to those pictures that mm-hmm. you know were floating around. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, that's what they're that's what they're is. labeling it as. But I would, and this is this is crazy too, and this is just me flying off the the cuff here. Shane's Native American, and he was in this area that was native, and now he's seeing a native cursed spirit. Whereas I might never see one of those because I'm not Native American. And it's funny that you mentioned that too, because uh, I have I've had her on on my show once. I talked to her all the time. Her name is Whitney Fox. Um, I don't mm, normally I fully Whitney. believe in like everything. Um, when it comes to like psychic type things, or at least until I met her, now I believe that it's like one of those things that some people have it and a lot of people don't and they fake it. So it's like you kind of have to differentiate the 1% and the 99%. But she was saying when she did readings on me that she believes that I have like a lot of links to like my heritage um, and that there was like shamanism in my heritage. So if that's the case, it would make sense what you're saying, because if I have that shamanistic connection to the spiritual world of like the Native American things, then I would be the one that would see this. Because again, like you were saying, I was the first person that walked in this room. So I was the first one that would have had an experience with it. And who knows if they would have even have seen it because they don't have that connection. Mm -hmm. Here's what I think. I think Ghost, if you would have seen it, you wouldn't have been telling us about it. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, maybe why you got the warning. Shane, you know what tribe you're related to? Yeah, I'm Cherokee, uh, Red Clay from Georgia. Okay. I'm just curious. Yeah, I know my my grandma was 100%. She used to go to powwows all the time. Um, my Native American name is actually Little Fox, so I do have a Native American name too, but she was uh, very heavy into it. Um, I had like my tribe card, all that kind of fun stuff, so like I actually was able to like trace back like where my heritage comes That's from awesome. pretty quick, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> but That is really cool. Hopping into the next one, I'm kind of curious if this story also partly connects with that one because it was another experience with my shadow person thing um, when I was leaving Northville. It wasn't that exact day that I saw the, as we're calling it now, the Wendigo, but this was an earlier time that I was there and um, we were taking a lot of pictures, um, which I kind of 
started to believe that when you take a lot of pictures of things that are connected to the spiritual world, or at least attempt to, that you kind of grab a piece of them and bring them back with you. Um, so we we're doing that that particular day. So we came home. Uh, we were, it was me and my girlfriend. We lived with her parents still. So we we're upstairs. Um, we put all of our stuff away. We come down. I'm at the base of the stairs. She's walking into the kitchen. As she walks into the kitchen, I'm staring at this spot on the couch. And I'm sure you guys have both had uh, shadow people experiences. So you know what I'm talking about when I say that there was this darkness in the shape of a person that was darker than dark. Like it was pitch black, black in the black. house. Yes. And you could see the shape of a person in the darkness. She walks right past it, staring at it because she had one of those things where you're just kind of like frozen with fear that you don't know how to react. So you go primal and you just continue doing what you're doing. And I'm saying they're staring at it from the stairs. She walks by, she goes around to the other side and she looks at me. I look at her and then we both look back in that direction and it wasn't there anymore. And we're both like, you saw that, right? And she was like, yeah, I saw that. And we're freaked out. We deleted a bunch of pictures and stuff. Um, but now I'm wondering if that was also partly connected with this, where it may have been some type of connection with like a Native American spirit, possibly with me going to this location and bringing it back with me from either the pictures or just me having that connection to it. Mm. I tell you this all the time, Shane, you need to dive deeper into your heritage there's a lot there that that i think will blow your mind yeah especially the more that i talk to whitney too and she just keeps making these connections of things like she knew my native american name was little fox and i didn't i have before that show i hadn't actually ever said that on air so she would have had no way of knowing that and she told me that my grandma told her that my native american name is little fox that's awesome mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and then ironically, Whitney. I feel like my grandma knew more her. about Native American spirituality than she may have always led to believe to because coming into now, um, I feel like I share a lot of characteristics with a fox and everybody that's, um, you know, into s that field of things all like to say that my like guide animal, spirit animal, whatever is all a fox. And I've heard this from multiple sources. So I think she had more of a connection to that spirit world than what she led on. And that's how she purposely came up with that name, Little Fox. Mm. Dude, I could sit here and listen to those kind of stories all night. You know, <laughs> we need to get a we need to get a bonfire going. You know, and sit around. That's and what we do. Goes next time. You, if you ever come over this way or you're at a conference, don't worry. I bring a jar of moonshine and we sit around and talk all night. Speaking oh, nice. of that, we'll have to talk about it off air. But uh, Ghost and I have been talking about trying to find a location to do some uh, cryptid hunting. Maybe we can do bizarre encounters, cryptids of the corn. Uh, cryptid hunting. That'd be pretty fun. Heck we'll yeah. take you right out in the middle between you two. And we got some pretty good back Bigfoot activity, right? Probably about about the same drive for both of you. Are you familiar with the Penn, Ohio Bigfoot Research Organization? A little bit. I We almost did their conference. Uh, just it didn't work out. Okay. Are you familiar with uh, husband and wife, uh, Jamie and Jenny King? A little bit. Not, not okay. very well. Jamie, Jamie's a pretty good friend of mine. He's been okay. on my show. Um, and wow, he does some awesome research in, in the Shenango and mm. which is a, it's a haunted forest too. So he's gotten a lot of cool EVPs and, and what have you, but they're sighting. They, they, they've had a encounter with, with Sasquatch. They were supposed to be on our show. Um, we're having troubles with scheduling and what have you, but, um, but yeah, it, killer for podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Schedules. <laughs> 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 it's 
say this is our only time that ghosts and i are actually able to coordinate is this time every friday so we kind of lucked out and that's like the only time we can really record this show but uh what were you saying justin sorry so something i do specifically because of that kind of stuff is like when we go to conferences anything we buy we go any places like we went to the the haunted part of the mothman place point pleasant Mm -hmm. i always pray i'm a christian so that's what i do always pray and i always tell Nothing is allowed to leave with us. That's my mm. big thing because of stuff like that. Right. Where I do not want anything following me home. And I always just say, I say it out loud. Uh, one of the guys we were out with at Moonville, which is a haunted place here in Hawking, Ohio. Uh, I'm like, all right, thank you guys because we got a weird picture. Like, thank you. But you're not allowed to follow us home. You got to stay here. I say it out loud. They were making fun of me. I'm like, well, when your stuff starts flying off your shelf, don't, you know, don't come crying to me. I'm telling it. It can't come home with me. You're a different person. What was the one that That's they just me. recently had in Virginia? Like last month. Was it, Bigfoot was, conference? Was it Cryptid Bash? Yes. Oh, no, okay. no. Cryptid Bash is... Yeah, it was last month. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, they, uh, Jamie and Jenny went to that. Also, uh, are, are you familiar with Chaz of the Dead? A little bit, not not very well. Okay, Chaz he, the Dead is awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a he's a walking wealth of knowledge, and and the way he goes after paranormal researching, uh, the guy's got some big balls because he usually trips on psilocybin or acid and goes looking for spirits. So no, thank <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah, it's like, dude, Chaz, what? <laughs> come on. But you think but, that his theories would be out there, but his theories are extremely grounded for being mm-hmm. somebody that takes psychedelics when coming up with his theories. Like, he covers all avenues, and the way he does his research is he comes from the ground up in the aspect of he tries to, like, disbelieve everything and then build why he believes in stuff instead of coming into it like, I instantly believe in this. It's pretty cool how he does stuff, and he comes up with some super logical explanations for things. Heck yeah. But I guess uh, before we get run out of time here, um, we got to get some in, into uh, some of ghost stories here. Oh, mine? Yeah, because we haven't actually uh, hit any of your stories yet. Uh, uh, we're on sh- shadow figures and shadow people. Um, I had my cousin on. I haven't released the episode yet. Uh, and we were... we sh- His mom and my dad are brother and sister. Okay. Now... That side of my family and and my cousin, that side of his family, have a lot of connection to the paranormal, in a sense. I'm an empath, okay? He's an empath. I watched my aunt, his mom, years ago when the story that I'm about to tell took place. She would sit there with a Ouija board and wouldn't touch it and sit there and move around and get answers now she doesn't play with it anymore she quit years decades ago and uh so one summer i was out in wyoming visiting and at the time they were living on a thousand acre ranch okay so they had bunk houses you know for high seasonal hired hands coming through or whatever but at the time nobody was there and we would either ride four-wheeler all day or we'd we tried riding the one horse once, but it was barn sour. So if you're familiar with a barn sour horse, anybody out there, they suck to ride. Mm-hmm. They just want to go back to the barn. <laughs> so 
we got this idea because there was like a it's different out there because some some things they will call a creek and some things they will call a river that you would think are a creek but aren't i would call this a creek but it, it was a pretty wide creek and it it flowed right by the property so we were like well let's camp out down by the creek or whatever it's like all right yeah so we got a little pop-up tent and uh we were you know put our fire out or whatever and we hopped in our tent and we were just about ready to doze off and we heard what we thought were it sounded like a stampede of horses coming like you just hear it in the ground and we're like that's weird there's no wild horses out here you know they that wasn't the we they only had the one barn sour horse so we unzipped the the door and we peek out and we see this like glowing translucent horse going by like on the other side of the creek and it freaked us out we're like what the you know we're little kids you know teenagers whatever we're like what the fuck you know uh, got scared <laughs> shot up to the bunkhouse where we would always hang out during you know the day or you know we'd camp you know that was our place where we slept you know it was like our little clubhouse or whatever we'd listen to old eight track you know i don't know i mean old country shit and there was this big bucket of honey and we'd sit there and eat the, the comb and get all sugar high and what have you. But we hightailed it up, up to the bunkhouse and we got up there and we were like, okay, you know, we kind of talked about it. And when I had him on, this is when he, I, it must've freaked me the fuck out because I had blocked it out of my memory until I talked to him. And he's like, don't you remember what we saw in the bunkhouse? And I'm like, yeah, we did see some, what did we see? So, I was about ready to fall asleep and so was he. He was in the bed, I think behind me, it was like two, two single beds or whatever. And I'm sitting there staring at this figure in the doorway. And he, he reminded me, I was like, do do you see what I'm seeing? And he's like, yeah. And basically it was a shadow figure, but he was wearing like a duster, like an old cowboy duster and a cowboy hat and he's just standing in the doorway just kind of peering down at us and and you couldn't really see his eyes but you knew he was there and we both freaked the fuck out and it had two doors it had that door and then it had one like that was on the side and then it had like a small front door so you had two accesses we hightailed it into the house and that was the end of it we were like holy shit and it scared the shit out of me well fast forward 20 some years later, I have, I'm interviewing a guest on, on zoom and what have you. And this was only a, a month or so, a couple months ago. And, uh, hence weird things after Zachary King interview, I'm sitting here, my door is closed right now to the room that I'm in. You know, you, when I do tavern, my wife's not here, you know, she usually goes out, hangs out with friends. So I let the dogs come in. Well, I had the door closed and Next thing I know, like we were having all this weird, like her internet was just completely froze. I was picking up on energy that she was super scared. It was the first podcast she came off. She had some other things on another podcast happen. And I was sitting here, I was physically shaking, like nervous to interview her. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then she goes, I think you were picking up on my energy because I, that's exactly how I was feeling. I'm sitting here, all this weird shit's going on during this interview. And all of a sudden, when I release the video, you'll see me like jump, like scared shitless. It looked like a 
a per like a shadow person ran down my hallway, but the but my door was closed and my dogs didn't bark. And I'm like sitting there, my heart's beating. I'm like, what the fuck? And she goes, What's wrong? I was like, I just saw a shadow person jet down my hallway, but my door was closed. Like, I mean, it just went poof. and I was like, Okay, all right, this is weird. And I don't know. So th- those are my two shadow people entities, but I don't know. I, I hear a lot of weird noises in the house ever since then and get weird feelings. And yeah. yeah, I feel like shadow people are almost like the aspect of skinwalkers where when you talk about them, they manifest because every single time mm-hmm. I've talked about them on shows, I end up seeing them that night. But I haven't gotten into it on this particular episode. And I don't know if I feel just in the start. Maybe I'll get into it on another episode. But I've had like a connection with shadow people my whole life where when I used to like astro travel, I used to see them around me, but they never like got close to me. And there's one in particular with green eyes. So every single time I bring them up in conversation, it's weird. I'll start like seeing him again. But the weird part about it is that once in a while, I don't know if you guys have ever had any recorded case of this, but sometimes I'll get like vocalizations where I'll be doing something and I'll hear it sound like somebody say like one word, like right behind me, like they're breathing down the back of my neck. And that's always the same nights that I start seeing like shadow people. So I don't know, just kind of a weird thing that they manifest when they're called. And yeah, have you guys had ever heard of any stories of like vocalizations from shadow people? I have not personally. No, I've never heard that. And I, I really think there are several things that are those blacker than black masses. Because I've heard several people report them as positive things or neutral things in their life. And when I tell you my story here, a little bit negative, very negative. Whether, you know, I think there may be multiple things occupying the same kind of shape. See, my theory on it, too, is that one, either they're like people where every not every person has the same intentions. You know, some people are good. Some people are bad. Mm -hmm. Or the other aspect kind of going into what you're saying is that I kind of feel like there may be multiple entities that we can't understand perceive. with yeah perceive or yeah. understand with our eyes so we just see them as total blackness where they could be something that looks completely fucking different and that's why there's the different categories of shadow people is because they may be possibly different types of entities but we can't perceive what they physically look like because they may be colors that we don't understand or they might be in a whole different spectrum altogether where maybe there's some type of like light being so to speak but we can't perceive them as light because we're right. we can't we just don't have that ability to do so. But your brain will do that all the time. So we do a test on the show all the time. So I'll tell your listeners: next time you're driving on the highway and you pass a pond, every duck you ever see is a mallard, every goose you ever see is a Canadian goose. Take a second, actually look at them. Most of the time, there's five to ten species in there. There's blue, green, red. You know, there's all these crazy colors. But your brain just auto paints every duck a mallard and every goose a Canadian goose. And then you look at them, you're like, half the freaking ducks are white. Why did I think they were all white? No, a second ago, I was looking at them. They were all mallards. Why are they now? Half of them are white and with blue heads or, you know, whatever. Because your brain, first off, takes the lazy route. If it can, it'll auto paint. And then I do, I do agree that, that that black void maybe just our brain's only way to interpret i like i know something's right there but i don't know how to tell you what i'm seeing or what we're, what we're seeing you know there's the in the ood of your brain you and then the the lizard that lives in the back like i don't know what we're seeing 
but I need you to know there's something right there so you can react to it. I just, I, I don't know what to tell you it is. So it's just this void, but it's perceivably a void. You know, I'll tell you my story here in a minute, but it's like you said, it's blacker than black. It's impossibly yeah. black. And it's hard to describe unless you've seen it, but anybody that has seen it, as soon as you start describing it, they know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Mm-hmm. A void, a it, black hole. Yeah, but it has mass. Yeah, it's there. To it. It's weird. Yeah. And it's not translucent either. You usually can't mm-hmm. see through it. That's the other part that people kind of forget to add into the description. There's something there. Your brain just can't tell you what's there. It's just it's screaming at you. I need you to know there's something standing in front of you. I just don't know how to show you it. So here's this silhouette. Deal with it. You know, it's the lizard <laughs> trying to screaming at you know at you to make a decision for so you don't get eaten, you know, quote unquote. That's all the lizard part of your brain is concerned about. I don't want to be eaten today. So here's this thing. I know it's there. I don't know how to tell you it's there. So here's this black shape. Deal with it. Mm. And I mean that might make sense with the whole eyes theory on why people can there's the shadow people that have the eyes. Like I particularly mm-hmm. saw green eyed ones. Most people talk about red eyes, but maybe that's the one color that you can perceive is the color of their eyes because maybe those are colors that are just like, uh, I don't want to say base colors, but like necessity colors through the universe that are universal across everything, you know? Ghosts, did yours have eyes? No, it, the, the brim of the hat came down. Okay. Almost like how I'm looking at you right now. Like, you know mm-hmm. I have eyes there, but you can't tell what right. color. You know what I mean? Because my, my, the brim of my hat. Yeah, you saw the hat man. Covered. I was going to say the hat man. Yep. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, maybe it was the hat, yeah, the hat man. Which is still a shadow person, but he's always yeah. seen with either the fedora or cowboy hat style hat. Mm-hmm. Big brim, and his encounters are normally not super negative. No, Whatever but it freaked us the fuck out, is. I know that. Oh, it scares the hell out of you. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, looking back at my Bigfoot encounter, it scared the hell out of me, and looking back now, I really don't think I was in any danger, but I was a 17-year-old kid, I probably weighed 110 pounds. And I'm standing next to the biggest linebacker that's ever existed. Mm-hmm. He's probably like you were saying, kind of trying to figure out how you were going to react because maybe he like wanted to eat the food that you had on your farm, but he was trying to test you out to see like how much he could get away with before you guys come out to check on what the hell's Pushing going boundaries. on. Boundaries. Yep. Yeah, but Sasquatch that's reported a lot. They they amp up like a kid. They react like a kid. You know, I I got away with this, but. The hat man is really seen. That was out west, right? I'm sorry. What mm-hmm. state did you say it was Wa- in? Wyoming. Wyoming. The hat man's seen out there a lot. But I don't know if it's him trying to mimic the local fashion or if it's just something he has. Or your brain sees so many. Well, I don't know. That could be the other thing. Is your brain sees so many cowboy hats? Mm-hmm. Is it this guy's got to have a cowboy hat and a duster on? Yeah, that would explain yeah, why people see the fedoras and they see like the, the brimmed, like not cowboy hats, but just brimmed hats when they're seen in like New England area, just because it yeah. kind of fits the context of like what used to be in that area. So maybe like if time isn't necessarily linear, maybe they see what seemed to have been the most popular thing in that area. And then they try to possibly like manifest in that shape, trying to be something that you'd be familiar with, especially if they're not something that's normally known to be aggressive, but actually tries to be helpful they're trying to come up with a shape or an image of something that they think that you can relate to so that you'll actually like interact with them possibly. 
Makes sense. They all need destroyed. Hmm? I'll tell you my story here in a second or whenever you guys are ready. Yeah, I'm ready yeah, for it now, yeah, man. Let's do it now. All right. So this is the same year, 2011, the end of the Bigfoot stuff. This is the last month before we moved out. That whole time. So half of our house was my dad built on that property and half was moved. We bought it for a dollar from the other side of the woods. We were thinking about this house is when we picked it up. So we picked it off up its foundation, built a new foundation for it. And we we're just trailing it, trailering it through the fields to get there. The guy that we bought the property off of gave us the house for a dollar because he had to legally sell it. So he gave us his house. Uh, we start. Nobody's been in this house for 30 years. Okay. Not one mouse turd. Not one rat turd. Not one raccoon dropping. And we're like, this is weird. It's clean. Somebody is like, I'm not supposed to say the name. Uh, it's He's like, nobody's been in here, so I don't know why it's so clean. You know, he warned us that it's going to be messy because, you know, it's been sitting for 30 years. And nothing. We take out a wall and keep finding snakeskins. The whole wall is nothing but snakeskins. And I don't mean a few. I mean hundreds. When you say snakeskins, are you talking about like shed or like shed, actual skin? Shed skins. Shed skins. Damn. Okay. Everything from that big. And I still got one, but everything is seven, you know, eight foot. And I was a very bright, if you can't tell, very, I was always very bi biologically minded. And I'm telling my dad, these are diamondback rattler skins. I'm seven, I'm 16, 17 at this time. Or no, at that time I'd be 15. So dad's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, no, they're Diamondback Rattler skins. These are all Diamondback Rattlers. Our part of Ohio hasn't had a Diamondback Rattler in about 400 years. Hmm. Uh, so, and nobody's believing me. And then they lift the house. So I don't know if you ever moved a house off of one foundation to another. It's a long process. And you basically have to make sure you have the exact same foundation built somewhere else for it to sit back on top of. The day it lifts, the one guy's going down to make sure everything's cut. Uh, a big black guy. I only know that because I was a little kid in Northwest Ohio. Don't see a lot of African-American men. And he went down there and he seen this gigantic rattlesnake just sitting there waiting for him. He came out of there. And I am just, you know, I'm probably 14, 15. He's cussing like a sailor. And he's <laughs> like, there's a freaking rattlesnake down there. And his boss like, no, there's not. Go down there and finish. So we can, get, you know, we, we have to move this. Like we still have a whole day of work. It's like, no. And he's like, you don't go down there. You're fired. And he's like, I already quit. And left. <laughs> they go down there. And my dad, the, the guy that's running the company and a couple other guys. And as they go down, gigantic rattlesnake just lives out of the basement. Goes right into the woods. They didn't once look at nobody. Didn't once put up no fight. Giant rattlesnake. Just right up and out. So we move the house. The house. The old part of the house. Constantly... Everyone has experienced this. Footsteps upstairs when nobody's up there. You know, doors opening and closing. It physically sounding like there's a person. So, and we've all experienced it, and it's just like, it's weird. Then, separately, this goes on forever. At the end of the Bigfoot year, my brother, who has muscular dystrophy, at this point he's been to St. Jude's uh, Children's Hospital like once a month. He's had his legs opened up, and he was still playing football. Very, very tough man. Uh, so I'm 17 at this point. 
I my job is to get all the my siblings to school and fed and then to school in the morning. He comes in my room. It's like 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night. And he taps me on the shoulder. And he's like, hey, I sleep in here tonight. And I thought he wanted to sleep in my bed. I only had a twin bed. And I'm like, no, you can't sleep in my bed. He's like, well, can I sleep in here? I'm like, I guess you can sleep on the floor. Real quick, I had a big snake at this time, big adult python, a bunch of lizards and a bunch of fish at the foot of my bed on a big rack. Uh, so he, I'm like, yeah, you can sleep on the floor. So he sleeps on the floor. I always sleep facing the wall. Like, that's just how I tuck myself in. I have to be touching something. And I roll so bad in my sleep. So I'm sleeping, and he pokes me in the shoulder real freaking hard. And I, I don't even turn around. I'm like, Luke, come on. You got to go to bed. I, it's my job to get guys to school in the morning. You got to stop. Again. You know, a couple minutes pass, then he does it again. I'm like, Luke, seriously. You got to stop. It's getting bad. Does it like three or four times. I never turn around for like I'm trying to fall asleep. And then that last one, you ever had your mom pinch you on the shoulder meat? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That horrible, hard, it hurts like, you know, it hurts like hell. So he does that to me. He grabs me like that, pinched me so freaking hard. I turn around, I'm like, Luke. And he's laying, he's, he's asleep on the floor. And this thing is standing over top of me, leaning over me, looking at me. It doesn't have eyes, but you know, you can feel it looking at you. And as it slowly raised up, like a guy would raise up, all my lizards and fish are going nuts, running around their cages. Fluffy, my big python, is just slamming her head, biting glass, just breaking it. She broke every tooth in her head. We had to take her to the vet. Every tooth in her head, biting at this thing, just going nuts. And it just stands up and kind of goes backwards into the room and melts into the corner. Like it's going downstairs. Like it went a floor down. We get up. We fly up. We wake my dad up. And we tell dad what we've seen. Or what I've seen. Luke never said he'd seen anything. He's seen something though. Dad though doesn't ask any questions. Doesn't say nothing. And he's like, grab your siblings. Go into your grandparents for the night. We did. And that's the last night we were slept in that house ever. Next morning though. We get a hold of a religious figure in our town. Her name's Carol Slane. She's very, very devout and really, really, she's an amazing woman. And she, we have her come and pray over the house. And she starts praying over the house. And she starts laying her hand out. My pastor's there too. And it's only me allowed to be there. I'm the oldest kid. I'm the one that had experience. So that's the only one dad would allow back in the house. She starts praying. And she's like, Bill, that's my dad's name. There's so much evil in this house you don't even know. So she starts she starts walking around and she touches this spot on the wall. And she's like, Bill, you need to open up this wall right now. Dad doesn't even ask a question, goes to the garage, gets a sledgehammer, opens the wall. He pulls out of this wall about a two foot long knife with a smiling serpent for a handle with a full set of human teeth. The worst looking thing you've ever seen. I hate it. I, I have the image burnt in my head, and I hate it. And she, we destroyed that. She prayed, and she kept finding coins, just weird coins. Every, every spot she touched on the wall and had my dad open, there was a coin besides the knife. And she kept praying and praying and praying. 
and she can't find them. And we found dozens, destroyed them all. And we got the feeling that they were anchor points. That whatever this thing was, was like a guard dog. So I did miss a part of the story. Now I realize. When we first got the house moved, once again, it, gave, it was given to us by, by the guy that owned it. We were clearing out stuff in the attic. And we, my dad reached to some spot. You couldn't see. He was pulling out insulation and found a stack of papers. And they were all they, occult, but not you know, in the true sense. They were all uh, ritual papers. They were like handwritten stuff of how to do certain sacrifices and things like that. Dad showed me. He showed my, old, my second oldest brother. And then he burned them. A week later, a woman came to our house asking if we had found any weird papers. And we're like, nope, I found nothing. She's like, okay, well, if you ever do find anything, let me know. And she is related to the man that gave us the house. So we have all this stuff going on. Like I told you, the shadow person experience, it never stopped. It got weaker. It never stopped. I don't think she ever got all the coins. Uh, whatever it seemed like it was, was, these were anchor points for the guard dog for whatever they were doing in that house. So like I said... My mom got cancer. We sold the house. We sold the farm. We were done. It was getting, the animals were getting to be too much. My mom was very, very sick. And the house was haunted as hell. Yeah. <laughs> so ever, the guy. Have you ever told your story on my, my, uh, my, my haunted house or anything like that? Because, man, this sounds a little like not verbatim fam familiar, but like kind of some of the things that you're t telling, it's like, Man, did I see that on one of those docu-series? Because it's fucking creepy as shit. It's horrible. So after we sold the house, a guy that bought it, he was not a nice man. Once again, my mom, this is like a month after we sold it. My mom is deeply in chemo. Uh, she has conjunctivitis, so she can't even open her eyes. And this guy won't stop calling us. Saying, whoever the hell you have coming in here, trash in the house, you need to stop. Whoever keeps walking upstairs, you need to stop. So finally, got a, it was all voicemail. He finally got my mom one time on the phone. And he's like, whoever you have up effing upstairs right now, they're up there and they're caught. I can hear them throwing stuff and I hear them stomping around. My mom said, nobody that we know is up in that house at this moment. Whoever you think is up there, you need to go upstairs and shoot. And he went upstairs, went through every room, didn't find nothing. Mm. And he heard somebody stomping and throwing crap. Whatever it was, was super angry about all the stuff that was happening. It was super angry. Every time we found something that destroyed it, it got angrier. And I really think whatever it was, was a guard dog to those people. That I, I, so I think a local group was using that house for rituals. I think this thing was their guard dog. And the anchor points were to make sure it stayed there. And every time something was found and destroyed, it got madder and madder. The point where they were, t so they were knocking out whole walls when they bought the place. So I, I'm assuming they're removing those anchors. Mm -hmm. so that's why their mm -hmm. physical, it was getting more and more physical. It was getting more and more angry because they were ripping out whole chunks of that old house and burning it, you know, getting rid of it. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was like a toddler with superpowers, you know, just reacting. And that's why I don't like shadow people. <laughs> I do not blame you, brother. I don't blame you at all. That's fucking wow. 
I thought mine every was Every opening scary. every opening of this house has a Hebrew symbol sigil on it to ward off spirits. Every window, every door. It's funny oh, that we all take precautions. I know Ghost takes his precautions. I take my precautions. I smudge my house all the time. I do the broomstick above the door. Like you start getting into this realm and then you realize that the more you talk about it, the more you become more like an antenna. So you like have to take these precautions to protect yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. you do. And I don't think people realize that. But it depends on your, your faith. Like I said, I keep saying I'm a Christian. I really take that seriously. And that's how I pray about everything. And I cleanse everything that way. And because the stuff we do, like you're saying, we become more of a magnet. Mm-hmm. And this stuff loves to latch on to people that are giving it power by attention. And that's literally all we do. <laughs> it's funny. Mm-hmm. It's like you follow that. And a lot of the stuff that I do is stuff that I remember my grandma telling me. So I guess like my protection area would be Native American things. Like um, I even have a medicine bag that she made me up here that has her ashes, my grandpa's ashes in it. I have dream catchers that she made me when I was a kid that I put above my son's bed, things like that. Um, I collect totems, which I didn't realize was a Native American thing, but I totally did it unintentionally. I would just find random things in my girlfriend of an antique that I ended up really liking. And I'd look it up and it'd be weird things like protection gods. Like I bought this, uh, forgot the name of her, um, but it's like a Hindu god of protection. I think it's like, it begins with a D, but I totally just, I liked the, I liked it. So I got it. And most of the stuff that I've unintentionally bought have ended up being like protection items. So yeah, you just go down the train and you do whatever works for you and there's no set way Never, of doing yeah. it, but whatever you believe is what you have to follow into because part of it is just you having that belief in it also helps protect you. Yeah. And it's funny. I recently helped my daughter move out of her apartment. She used to live right around the corner from me. She was having the very first time I went there, she was showing me around and I was just kind of getting a weird vibe. She went to open the attic door and this energy just hit me. And I was like, I shut the door. I was like, no, I'm not going up there. I, she no, thank you. Up there and, but she started having these weird dreams, almost like an old hag, but not the old, the traditional old hag story. Like she'd see this evil old lady walking around in her, her you know, in her, in her dreams, but she was in that apartment, what have you. And they were moving out and I gave her my, my smudging sage. And I said, you know, just smudge the whole apartment, you know, just pass on the kindness to whoever else might move in here. And my wife didn't know I did that. And, you know, she had brought my daughter on her way to school or whatever, you know, she's in college, dropped it off and, uh, just kind of hung it on the, on the outside of the, the door. My wife opened the door and she, you know, went to go outside to let the dogs out or whatever. And she's looking at this bag. I said, uh, I, I gave her, you know, the sage. So, you know, she could smudge and she's like, Oh, well, good idea. I was wondering what was in that bag, (laughs) but (laughs) I got a bounce. So if we want to wrap there. Yeah. And then we can definitely have Justin back on. Cause I love talking Mm -hmm. to Justin. I'd love to have him back on on some more episodes of my show. I'm sure ghost will love to have you on his show. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Bounce around, man. It's all Pin good. That's <laughs> fine. Happens all the time. Let people know where they can find your podcast, your Patreon, uh, any merch, anything that you want to plug. Go ahead and plug it here okay. at Bizarre Encounters. Once again, Cribbage of the Corn podcast. We're on pretty much every major podcast app. If you can, wherever you listen to these guys, you can probably find us. Uh, our face, you know, we do a lot on the Facebook page. We have pretty much all the social medias, but the Facebook page is the one we I use the most. My wife does the rest of them. Um, we sell t-shirts, all that stuff. 
know Shane got some of those. Uh, but yeah, Patreon, you know, it's linked to every one of our episodes. Uh, and those are more of our controversial or really fun topics that aren't family friendly. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks for coming. Yeah, this was a really, really good episode, man. We appreciate you coming on. So I guess the, uh, the next one. Hop into the little bit at the end. Uh, Ghost, why don't you give your links to your stuff? Uh, yeah, you can find uh, my main show, My Third Eye Podcast, anywhere you get a, uh, a podcast. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, My Third Eye Podcast. Uh, email me, MyThirdEyePod at gmail.com. And if you want full episodes of my weekly show and full episodes of Talk at the Tavern, um, the only one I do not have behind a paywall is conspiracy in the news, but you can go to patreon.com forward slash my third eye podcast. $3 gets you the weekly episode. $5 gets you the top, full episode to talk at the tavern and the weekly episode. So for $2 more, it, it makes more sense just to subscribe to that $5 tier. And, uh, yeah, don't forget to hit the YouTube. Uh, I don't care if you watch, just hit that subscribe button, you know, get some numbers up there and hopefully I can, uh, start growing more and more i got got some good videos up there and you know good content so yeah that's basically where you can find me and then as for me um i'm shane from inquiries of our reality normally um i put everything under one link merch all that fun stuff any links uh l-i-n-k-t-r period e-e slash inquiries of our reality podcast um if you'd like to check out open minds media which is a little project that i do with uh kyle from big dumb inquiries where it's kind of like a help community slash get together community um, we have a listener side, a creator side, all that fun stuff. Just come check it out. Uh, L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash open underscore minds underscore media. And then as for this show, if you're not already following us and leaving everybody here some awesome reviews, Justin included, of course, um, you can come and check us out uh, through all of our social media. Um, L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash Bizarre Encounters. And if you have any stories that you would like to share on the show, whether it be through uh, us reading it in the beginning of the show, which is a segment that we would like to add, or you coming on the show as a guest, um, just shoot us a message on social media. You could even hit one of our own show accounts, however you want to work it. And uh, we'd love to hear it and have you guys uh, tell your stories on the show, whether it be, like I said, written. I mean, you could even record it and send that in and we can put that audio clip. However you want to run it, we would love to hear your stories. So don't forget to do that. Don't forget to like and share because that's the best way for all of us to grow um, and leave some awesome reviews for us. And I guess that's about it for us today. So I'm uh, I'm Shane from Bizarre Encounters and my co-host over here, Ghosts, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Have an awesome night, everybody. <laughs>